Welcome to the Shift Spotlight Podcast. I'm Winter, your host and co-founder of the Shift Spot. We are a CEO coaching and peer advisory community of fellow business owners who are passionate about making radical shifts in their businesses and their lives. We are business transformational experts that help business owners and CEOs shift from working in the business to working on the business. My partner, Ken Paskins, and I have a combined 55 years of experience as an accomplished CEO, COO, executive coach, skill sets in sales and marketing, public relations, and peak performance for successful CEOs looking to scale their business with ease. We say here at the Shift Spot, shift happens, we can help. And we believe our support will help you design your business to give you the freedom and balance you deserve. Also, the Shift Spotlight is always looking for podcast guests. So go to theshiftspot.com and click on podcasts. We'd love to have you. Hey, everybody, it's Winter with the Shift Spotlight. And today we are here with Paige Arnoff Ben, who is the owner of Mavens and Moguls. She can be found at Mavens and Moguls. Dot com And it looks like you're located in Cambridge. Um, and we're going to be talking about all things marketing brands. I love brands too. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, you know, ha- have a background in marketing. So we'll, we'll dive into all of that. But why don't you tell our listeners at a high level what it is that you do? Thanks so much for having me, Winner. Um, so basically, I hung a shingle out about 22 years ago. And we're a virtual marketing department for organizations that need access to great marketing talent on an as-needed basis. My background is in marketing. I started doing corporate marketing at big companies like Procter & Gamble and Coca-Cola. And when the internet started taking off in the 90s, I left my big corporate cushy marketing job to run marketing at three startup companies. And then I've been doing it independently for the past two decades. So were you ever based in Atlanta when you worked for Coca-Cola? So I was. um, I I had run a joint venture for the 1996 Olympic Games based out of Washington, D.C. I ran the Olympic Commemorative Coin Program out of the Department of Treasury. And so I was based in Washington, but I was flying down to Atlanta almost every week for about three years. And I got to know all the corporate sponsors for the Olympics. And when the games ended, Coca-Cola made me an offer to come in-house and be the assistant chief marketing officer, which is a huge job because Coke is probably the most recognized brand in the world. It's sold in 200 plus countries around the world. And my boss was the head of marketing globally for Coke, and I was kind of his right arm. So I was based in Atlanta, and I think I had three extensions in my passport uh, the year that I worked there. Because like I said, Coke is sold everywhere, and my boss used to send me to the corners of the world to to promote Coca-Cola. But I was based in Atlanta. That's fun. That's that's a fun time. I, re- I remember the 96 Olympics. Well, I remember the coins. I also remember the pins like you had the pins that you collected. Oh, I, had, so. I had thousands of pins. It, it's yeah, like, I still have some of them. Um, I do too. So They're in my I was, basement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, 
You know, I love branding the shift spot, which is our company name. We're a CEO coaching and peer advisory community. And um, how, like I came up with the name for that. I came up for the branding for that, but how I came up with it was it was like the spot where you make shifts in, right? Where CEOs and business owners can make those radical shifts in business and life and shift from working in the business to working on the business. I had another company called The Closing Code. It was teaching people how to do sales. I love branding. I love marketing. Um, I studied it back at Florida State back in the day. So um, here's here's the problem that I think companies struggle with when it comes to marketing firms is, well, number one, I think that CEOs are confused by marketing. Um, they don't really know how to measure it. And uh, they don't know if it's working or not. And it's not something that they want to learn. It's not something that they want to understand. They want results and, and they want them now. So from that perspective and from that viewpoint, how what would you say to business owners about marketing and how to find the right marketing fit for them? And interpret those results more importantly, because I think the CEOs, they're, they're, they don't like it. They don't like marketing. A lot of people think of marketing as a necessary evil. And people like you and me, our job is to convince them that it's not just a nice to have, it's a have to have. Because the truth is, if you don't market yourself, the market is going to brand you instead, and you're not going to have any control over it. And I love your shift brand. And I love, I've heard you say when I was learning about um, getting on this this show, how you say this is where shift happens. I think that's yeah. hilarious. I yeah. love it. I love the kind of humor in it. And it shows a little bit of your brand personality. And I love Ken was not like any of that stuff. My partner, he was like, we're not going to be saying that because, you know, he's the domain expert. He works with all the CEOs, you know, and consults them. And I'm like, oh, this shift is happening. You know, the shift is happening. We are going to be saying funny things like that because I love it. <laughs> and I am I am totally in your camp on this. And it's funny because when I named my company, a lot of people thought the name was too frivolous and silly and people wouldn't take us seriously. But I loved the name. I love the alliteration. I know Mavens is a Yiddish word for expert, which I mm -hmm. thought was clever. A lot of, you know, a lot of people thought it was, you know, my great grandmother would have said it means know it all and that we were being too big headed about it. But I just right. thought it worked and it has worked for the brand I was trying to build. I wanted to be the not your father's Osmobile version of marketing companies. We tested mm -hmm. a lot of boring names, integrated marketing solutions, strategic mm -hmm. marketing advisors. I mean, those names just turn into like, wallpaper. They don't stand out. They're not memorable. And it doesn't really give your brand much personality. But I think brands like yours and mine, it I think it resonates with the kind of clients we want to work with. Mm -hmm. So your, your number one tip to CEOs is don't don't be afraid to be a little out of the box and, and a little bold. Absolutely. And show your personality. You know, right. put it out there. Don't be scared to take risks because that's what makes you memorable. That's what makes you stick. That's what makes you stand out. And you're not going to attract everybody to be your client, but the kinds of people that see your humor and kind of get your personality, 
they're going to, you're going to break through the, the clutter. You're going to break through the noise and they're going to remember you. And they're going to, they're, those are going to be your biggest champions and fans. And that's who you're trying to attract. Right. Right. And I, and I think too, that, you know, there is a distinct difference between sales and marketing, right? And, and a lot of CEOs kind of confuse the two. And a lot of the departments go, you know what, this is sales problem. And sales goes, we didn't have the right marketing materials. So I think that too, there has to be sort of a paradigm shift in how you think about marketing because marketing doesn't necessarily have anything to do with sales at all. It's just how you're presenting yourself out there. And you want to attract the the clientele and the tribe that you want. If you're not putting out your personality and see, I come from a huge sales background. I grew up on the floor of a car dealership where I heard my dad just close people all the time. So when I created the closing code, it was, um, you know, it, it was just ingrained things I had heard when I was a child. And the thing that I know about sales, it's relationship based. So your marketing draws them in, but sales still has to close through relationships. And that's where I think a lot of these business owners and CEOs get really confused about and, and, and understanding the dynamic of marketing and sales. So what, what can you speak about with regards to that? I think you're spot on. Um, I think what marketing is trying to do is create an emotional connection with the right audience. They're trying to find the right words and pictures to tell stories, to get people to think of you, remember you, to break through so that when they need your product or service, they think of you first. And I look at marketing and sales as kind of working hand in hand. In the best organizations that I've worked in, places like P&G and Coca-Cola, Marketing and sales are attached at the hip. At P&G, before you can get promoted to like a brand manager position, you have to do what's called sales training. You have to go out in the field with your sales counterpart and walk the aisles at the grocery store and Walmart and Target and see your product on the shelf in that last you know 12 inches and what the competition's doing, and how how are you going to pop off the the shelf? How do you get those end caps? What do you need to do to promote so that people go to those stores with a, a single minded focus to buy your product? Uh, right. They, you know that is the challenge. So you know I think the the brands that do it best, marketing and sales are partners. Mm -hmm. uh, but I agree with you. Sales is about closing the deal. And you must be at a huge competitive advantage to other firms in your space with that sales background, because you're looking at everything through the lens of how do I how do I get this deal done? Mm -hmm. And that is that is huge in this environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have staff that work for you, right? How, how many employees do you have? So I've got four dozen independent contractors that all work under the Mavens and Moguls umbrella. Mm -hmm. And like myself, these people were, were on the front line in a previous life. We are mm -hmm. not professional PowerPoint makers. You know, we were the client. I was the chief marketing officer at three different startups. So when my clients asked me, 
you know, how should I spend this budget? I'm approaching it as if I were sitting in their chair because I was sitting in their chair in a previous life. Right. And we've had clients come to us and say, we have X thousand dollars and this is what we need help with. And mm-hmm. I'll look at their business and do a brand audit. And I'll say, you know what? With that budget, I'm happy to, to do that. But at the end of the day, if I were in your chair, I would spend the money differently. Here's mm-hmm. a plan that I would recommend. You can do, we'll do it your way if that's what you want. But you may want to look at this alternative of something that I would do if I were the client. And a lot of times they really appreciate that because a lot of consultants and agencies will just spend your money. If it's been approved to do advertising, they'll just execute the advertising. But for Mm -hmm. a lot of brands, you don't have a big enough budget for ads because you're still, if you spend 10, 20, $30,000 on ads, you're still going to be pretty invisible if all your competitors have multi-million dollar budgets. So maybe the the approach is to do something in PR or content marketing or on social media to be scrappier and more guerrilla marketing to really break through. But a Mm -hmm. lot of firms aren't going to tell you that. And we are kind of the truth talkers, you know, we'll tell you good, bad, and ugly. Here's something you might want to think about, even if, it makes them not spend the money the way that they want to with you. Right, right. So you had this cushy job, your cushy job and started your own company. You know, why did you do that when a lot of businesses fail? You know, it's, it's, it, it, most don't make it. So, so especially I when it comes this, to marketing and there's so many, so many choices out there. Yeah, no, you're, you're really true. That is so right. So I started, I hung out my shingle right after 9-11. It was almost exactly 22 years ago. Um, So you're old enough to remember after 9-11, the first thing that got cut on everybody's budget was marketing. Um, People were conserving cash. They were worried they weren't going to be able to raise money again for a while. And so everybody was pulling back the marketing budget and firing their marketing staff. I had been the head of marketing at three successful startups that all had very strong exits. They either went public or they were sold. And in some cases, both. They were went public and they were sold. So uh, the venture capitalists and investors made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. When 9-11 happened, those same investors and board members called me and said, you help my portfolio company do really well. You helped me make a lot of money. Now with 9-11, we don't have marketing anymore. And I we have a trade show coming up or we have a product launch coming up and I don't know who to turn to. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my husband said, Paige, there's a red flashing sign in front of you. These people need your help. You need to figure out how to help them. But like I said, I was never a consultant. I never worked on the agency side. I was not a service provider. I was the client. Mm -hmm. I knew what needed to be done. And these people were coming to me asking for help. So Mm -hmm. I started calling all my favorite marketing people from earlier in my career, from the corporate jobs to the startup jobs. Everyone had just been laid off. They were all available. Mm -hmm. I had people, I had projects, and I just started putting them together. I called the women the marketing mavens, the guys the marketing moguls, 
And we just formed teams and rolled up our sleeves and got the job done. And every one of those projects led to more projects. So it's just, you know, I joke, I'm like the accidental entrepreneur. I never wrote a business plan. I never, I thought I was going to be Meg Whitman. If you had met me in business school, I would have told you dead serious. I'm going to run a fortune 500 company. You know, marketing is going to help make that company successful, but I'm a big company girl. Yeah. Nothing could be further than from the truth. I'm running a small business, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's been the hardest part of running your small business? Oh my goodness. When it's your business, you can never turn it off. I mean, in a corporate job and a startup job, you show up for work, you work your butt off until you're so tired, you, you know, grab your bag and leave and then you go home and collapse. When it's your company, there is always more that you can do. There Mm -hmm. are no days off. You are always on. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think for me, I, I've got a little bit of a compulsive personality anyway, but I feel like, you know, my brain is always going. And even on your quote days off, you know, you go take a walk, you go to a movie, you go to a festival, um, you run into people and you're the brand and people say, oh my God, I'm so glad I just bumped into you. My company's having a marketing problem. Can I call you on Monday? And can you come by and talk to me? Maybe you could help us with our website. Maybe you could help us with our new product. Maybe you could help us do X, Y, Z. And I love that, that people, you know, when they see you, they think of you, they call you, they email you, you know, there are a million ways you can help. But Mm -hmm. when you're part of a big company, you're not necessarily the brand. I mean, I am a walking embodiment. I am the personification of our business. And so um, it's just, it's hard to, to turn it off. You may probably feel the same way about your business. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to the grocery store without makeup on because the brand name. No, you you have to always look the part and you always have to have your business cards on you. And yeah, you're exactly right. If you look like, you know, you're not professional and you're not ready for showtime, That's part of your brand. And I want people, no matter if they see me at a kid's soccer game or a movie or a restaurant or the grocery or drugstore, I want them to think, boy, you know, she is such a great marketer. Look, Mm -hmm. you know, she's got it all together. You absolutely, you're a walking billboard for your business. Right, right. So then what, what do you, what are your plans? Are you, you know, what's preventing you from scaling even bigger than you already are? You know, you got four dozen contractors, let's call them. What prevents you from scaling as a business owner? So, you know, the truth is I'm not trying to grow this as big as it can possibly be. A lot of people have asked me, would I be willing to franchise or do I want to take the company public and raise outside money? And the answer is no. I think running a successful small business is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. And I like the high quality that I can make make sure that we're not um, outpacing our kind of strengths. Mm -hmm. Every every client really matters to me. Um, And I love that we can deliver really high quality 
results. Um, and that at the end of the day, um, I don't, I don't need, I don't need everybody to be a client. I need a few really strong clients to make a great business. I don't need a million clients every year to be, you know, happy. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if I can, you know, sign up a few great clients that really get us where we know we can hit it out of the park every time, um, that, that to me is success. I don't need every business big, big or small to hire us to have a great business. Right. So where do you see yourself investing resources for in, in the next year? So it's going to be very interesting to see where all this artificial intelligence leads us. Um, you know, I am by no means an expert in it. I'm learning like the rest of us. I feel like um, with my clients, um, you know, the key in this world of everything turning into robotics and AI and chat GPT and AR and VR, like everything's going uh, into autopilot mode and into technology mode, where I can add the most value to my clients is to figure out what's unique, special, and different about them and um, authentically represent their brand so that they can stand out. I think authenticity is the key to great branding. It's what makes your stories memorable and authentic interactions is really the the AI that I care about. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I I am going to have to work harder to tell more authentic stories and figure out what that kind of unique selling proposition is so that my clients can really, um, not fall into the sea of sameness. I think a lot of people are going to get lazy with all this technology and it's going to all blend into a sea of sameness. They're going to all start sounding alike. And so for businesses like yours and mine, we have to continue to push the edge and help our clients like carve out unique real estate in their customer's brain so that every time they need their product or service, they think of our clients first. That it's not like, oh, everybody's saying the same thing. You know, I just, I think- And, it's and I've noticed, of- I see like a social post and you can see that it was a chat GPT post. You Absolutely. can see the same emojis are being used. And like, you know, I, I had somebody ask me, well, are you, are you doing all of your, cause I, I have a background in real estate too. Are you doing your real estate descriptions on chat GPT? And I'm like, no, that's Absolutely what makes not. my real estate totally different. So yeah, sure. You can do it, but that's not what's going to make a house stand out. It's just going to be another house. So I, I do think you have to think about how to truly leverage your brain like the the, the the smartest thing smarter than AI is your brain you you but if you if your brain knows how to leverage AI to get there quicker then you know that's what it's there for I, I just had another podcast with a great guy his name is Zach Ratner um and he's using AI in, in what he does in his business and he said AI should be leveraged as a means to an end and um it's not 
it's not everything else in between, you know, and you, and you need to look at it that way. So um, I completely agree. I mean, it's a great thought starter for brainstorming. There are a lot of things. It's an input. It is not an output. Right. You know, I think it can help you get your creative juices flowing. It can help you kind of be the kick in the pants to get out of a rut or writer's block or getting stuck. Mm -hmm. But if you're relying on it for your ultimate message, you're dead. Right, right. Okay, well, so in wrapping this up, if you had to do it all over again, starting a business, speaking to your younger self or less experienced self, what what would your advice be? Oh, my goodness, I'd have so much advice. But, you know, the truth is making mistakes is part of the process. That's how you learn. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned early on, um, the people that you start with are not necessarily the people that are going to grow with you. Mm -hmm. And my, uh, my natural instinct is to be loyal and give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, bring them along but I think because of the way we grew so quickly in the first few years, we had a few people that were part of the, the team early where, you know, the market has changed so much in the last 22 years. And there were a few people who were kind of one trick ponies mm-hmm. and they were really good at what they did. But as social media and all these you know, new tools and technologies and shiny objects started getting into the mix. They were getting out of their comfort zone and still wanting to go back and relying on, you know, writing press releases and doing stuff the old fashioned way. Do you remember the AP style guide? Oh, yeah. Oh, like when I went to Florida State, because I I studied, you know, marketing with an emphasis in public relations. And I, you know, carry that thing around me. It was a Bible. Bible. It was a Bible. And like it and and like one, two things really still annoy me to this day. There is no such word as towards. It's toward. There's no S at the end of towards. And people are like, I move towards, you know, no, it's toward. And I know because the AP style guide and the other one is, um, and this, this makes me crazy. Like I, I, when people are like, I wrote a book book entitled and it's like, no, it's titled, not entitled. (laughs) And both of those are like AP style guide. I think I still have it somewhere because I just couldn't give it up. I I don't know. I don't see it right off the top of my head, but I mean, it's just so funny because yeah press releases and all of that. It, I mean, that was my jam. That was my no, jam. Absolutely. But you have to stay up to snuff and current with all the new trends and technologies. And I feel like I hung on to a few of the early people a little too long. And when you do that, it kind of drags down the whole team. Yeah. Because it changes your culture. I want to work with people who have a growth mindset, who are constantly learning new things, trying new things, pushing themselves, really uh, embrace professional development, because Mm -hmm. that's how you stay current. That's how you really move the needle for your clients. So, you know, I think I would say to myself, my younger self, 
you know, you have a lot of great qualities and being loyal and steadfast and persistent is great, but learn to let go and move on when you see signs that um, things are not um, copacetic. Um, or they don't align with your vision or your core values. Exactly. So, you know, that's another another thing. It's you don't need a reason why to next somebody. It's just next. It doesn't yep. work. Doesn't line up. You got it. So that and also when you're starting a business, you know, you want it, everything to be perfect. You want your website to be perfect. You want your, you know, uh, PowerPoint and your stationery and your business cards but the truth is, you know, nothing is ever perfect and it's always improving. And I think I was a little slow at the beginning to just pull the trigger and move on. Like there's an 80-20 rule being Pareto optimal. If you're 80% of the way there, kind of keep moving forward. You're going to tweak. You're going to improve. You're going to pivot and just keep moving forward. And you're going to make mistakes, but then you can course correct. So if your, you know, invoices are not on the perfect letterhead, if your PowerPoint is not absolutely perfect, it's okay. Don't spend a ton of money, you know, buying the business cards with the watermark and the gold foil. And like, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Go get those reference clients Fill your pipeline and your clients will inform you what is going to like what they're willing to pay for, what's going to help you scale and grow your business. Yeah. So just listen. And, and, and as a CEO, a lot of the business owners are they're type A, right? And perfectionism Absolutely. is is up there. I mean, it definitely has been for me. And I I had to adopt the good enough is good enough mindset. Because and and I probably say it to myself a hundred times a day. Good enough is good enough. It's at least it's out. At least it's out there, right? Because people don't look at things the way you do. So Absolutely. good enough is good enough. And progress is progress. Absolutely. And and when you have those small wins, embrace the sw- small wins. You don't have to have a grand slam every time. You get a few base hits, and you're right. you know, you're advancing. So, you know, treat yourself as well as you treat your best customers. Right. You know, I feel like you and I probably beat ourselves up 10 times a day and we yeah. would never treat anybody else that harshly. Right. Right. So embrace the wins, keep moving forward. Don't make the same mistake twice and you're going to be fine. You're going to keep yep. building and growing. Yep. That's awesome. All right. Well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And if people want to get a hold of you, they can go to mavensandmoguls.com. You got it. This has been so fun, Winter. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me. And it's been a great conversation. Thank you, Paige. Winter here. Thank you so much for listening to the Shift Spotlight podcast. If you are a business owner, CEO, founder, or co-founder of a service-based business with 11 to 100 employees and have zero to nine years of experience seeking recognition for your exceptional expertise while gaining exposure through our remarkable network, well, we are actively searching for podcast guests who can bring their inspiring stories to light, to the spotlight, and we would love to showcase your journey. 
please visit theshiftspot.com forward slash podcast to apply today. And if you are a listener, I'd love to give a shout out to your business, to our whole audience for free. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow our newsletter on LinkedIn by searching The Shift Spot through LinkedIn. I'd love to just even have you pop by and say hello because I'd love to meet you. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot, truly, to me and my team. We believe every person has a message that can positively impact the world. And we love our community who listens and shares our program. Together, we are empowering one another as shift leaders. Hit subscribe to be inspired and motivated. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you and your growing business. We will see you next time.